service. We'd like you to join us.
Well, praise the Lord. It's time to get started this morning. Pardon me. <laughs> Let's gather all of our thoughts down in this direction, if we could, for just a second. We're going to invite you to stand right now. We're going to pray, and then we're going to worship. We're going to experience the presence of God in this place because he's here. He's promised to be here. Join me in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name we come, we gather, we worship, we study your word, we apply your word, we allow you to move in sovereign ways. And we ask, Father God, that you would receive our praise, that none of us would be mere spectators in this. We would all enter in and worship the King of glory. Father, we praise you that we are joined with a great cloud of witnesses today that let us know from ages beyond time that, Father, you are faithful, you are a good and a, and a holy God, and that you'll carry us through. We ask your blessing today upon our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're running 
Shadows are seen. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Oh, find yourself a seat. There we go. Praise God. Usually I'm not involved in this portion of the service, so I usually just kind of sit there and I try. I try. We have another one of those bittersweet times. We find that uh, over the course of the many years that we've been in ministry, that the Lord has seen fit to utilize uh, the ministries to send people out in the ministry. And uh, we've always had a sending forth kind of ministry. And once again, we received word that JR has received an invitation to come on staff as a youth and children's pastor up in Lake Milton, Ohio, and he will be going up full-time to serve in that capacity, those capacities, up, and also generational pastor too, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And so he's going to be uh, going up there to assume his responsibilities the beginning of April and so I'd just like you to give a round of applause to JR for the good job he's done send him out we'll honor him at another date but I wanted to break the news to you uh, that uh, you know, he's going to be traveling on in ministry and it's one of those things where we enjoy seeing God use people amen and it's it's sad but it's it's kind of like uh, it's 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 you're excited that he's going okay yeah I remember he was excited when you left too at one time yeah 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 I remember that but uh, it's uh, it's bittersweet and yet uh, we raise our children uh, not to stay with us forever, but to go out and do great things. And that's the way we operate in the church as well. So be sure and greet him later. We're going to have an honor for him a little bit later on in the month. But uh, JR, thank you for all that you've done. And uh, we hope we've been a little part of it. Okay. 
Thank you, Pastor. Well, on a lighter side of things, um, Papa Mark, if you want to come up. If we have any guests joining us here today, we just want to thank you and let you know that you are you are greatly appreciated here at Trinity. And um, this is a place, you know, a church that is a family. And we want to let you know that if it's your first time here, you're coming back, whatever it may be, that this is a family atmosphere. And we just want to welcome you home. Welcome to the family. Um, if you are joining us for the first time, this uh, this dude um, right here, he's <laughs> I usually say strappingly handsome young man, but I feel like it's wrong to lie in church so often. So, uh, <laughs> no, but this um, young man has a VIP card. If you could fill it out and put your information on it, just that way we can keep in touch with you, and uh, you can keep in touch and things that are going on here at Trinity. Um, but we'd like to welcome y'all home. Just can we get a round of applause for our guests today? As always, throughout the week, we have our uh, Wednesday evening services. We have a 10 a.m. Bible study as well. Um, but we have services for all age groups at, starting at 7 in the evening. Um, and so if you're able to come out throughout the week, we'd love to be able to see you again. Because, as I said, this is a this is a family, and I like to see my family as much as possible. And, you know, we only get twice a week around here. So if you're able to come and join us on Wednesday evenings, we would love to see you bring out the whole family and just have a great time of fellowship and um, everything starts at seven on Wednesdays. Um, this upcoming Saturday, we have men's breakfast at 8 a.m. Uh, and Dave Swagger is going to be cooking for that. So we look forward to all the goodies that he brings to us. As well as the Trinity Outreach is going to be at 4.30. So um, Pastor Bill, if you don't know who he is, is that handsome man right there. If you're able to help in that ministry at all, uh, outreaching the, um, <clears throat> benefiting those in need and homeless, um, it's it's such an impactful ministry, um, and it's just done wonders ever since that's been picked up and got off the ground. So if you're able to help in that ministry, we would deeply appreciate it. I know Pastor Bill would as well. So if you're able to assist in any way, make sure that you um, reach out to him. Uh, next Sunday... Uh, March 10th, we have our annual church business meeting. So if you are a church member and you are able to make it out, we would love for each and every one of you to be able to stay after um, after the uh, service, stay in here for the meeting. Um, and if you are able to come, please sign up in the lobby so we kind of know what to expect for that. Um, anything else that's upcoming at the church, we have so many different events coming up, um, but make sure you read your bulletins to kind of get an idea of all the amazing ministries and activities that are coming up here at Trinity so you can be involved in those. Uh, could the ushers come forward, please? Praise God. The annual business meeting is an opportunity for all of us just to share testimony, really, of look what the Lord's done in the past year. We have a lot of things to be thankful for, a lot of things to praise him about, and we want to keep it not like a so much a business meeting as a blessing time uh, to remember that God is good all the time, Amen. and all the time, 
God is good. So be sure and come stay around for that after the altar service next Sunday. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the privilege of giving to you. It's a small way in which we can participate in seeing lives touched and changed. Father, we're thankful that your word instructs us to launch out into the deep, to not just be in the shadow of things, but to be used of you. And this is one way we can launch out and touch lives around the world through our giving and our faithfulness. And you've promised that as we make an investment in your kingdom, you will touch it. The same hands that formed mankind from the dust of the ground will touch our offering and multiply it to do great things. We ask your blessing upon our giving time and our giving of praise as well. In Jesus' name, amen.
says he will give us the desires of our heart. How many of you desire to see revival come? A move of God's Holy Spirit sovereignly like a mighty rushing wind. Father, we praise you today. We thank you for the opportunity to sing praise to your name and to experience your presence. I ask Father today, right now, you would commission the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. I'm excited about Good Friday. We have a special night of worship. I encourage you to be here for it. We're going to be worshiping and praising the Lord and just enjoying older time, uh, just a wonderful experience of a night of worship. And if you've missed those in the past, you say, well, I, I bless God, I'll watch it on TV. Well, there's something different about showing up for it. The, the presence of God in this place is just thoroughly awesome. I'm not saying you can't experience it at home, but why would you want to when you can come here and just be around your brothers and sisters and praying and blessing God together? 
Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Before I read the scripture this morning, I want to tell you a little story from the Word of God. The children of Israel had been through a lot. For one year after they exited Egypt by the mighty hand of God, They one, one year away from entering into the promised land, they came up to the Jordan River at flood stage and they believed an evil report from some of the spies that went over and they said, we can't do it, we can't do it. And God is trying to tell them, I said you could do it. I'm going to go with you. But that generation that had seen Red Sea's part didn't believe that God could handle a few giants here and there. Because of their rebellion, they went back into the wilderness for 40 years until that unbelieving, faithless generation died out. And now they're back at the edge of the Jordan at flood stage again. And it's a whole new crew because they've grown up under the tutelage of Moses and Caleb and Joshua. They've seen their folks die off and they've had a positive witness in front of them. We could talk a long time about that. Folks, we need to be a positive witness to the next generations that God is faithful and he can do what he said he'd do. Well, there they stood and God had given commands about crossing the Jordan River. He likes to cross rivers in unique ways, doesn't he? He said, what we're going to do is we're going to get the the priests to shoulder in their priestly garments, they're going to shoulder the staves of the Ark of the Covenant. And they're going to march out into the Jordan River. He didn't say what he was going to do. He just said, go. This generation of faith had advanced to the place where even the priests, when their feet began to get wet, kept walking. God moved in and peeled back the waters of the flooded Jordan until they, the army of Israel could march over on dry ground to the other side. But the story I want to tell, tell you is this. Moses, excuse me, Joshua also heard from the Lord saying, have one man from each tribe go out to where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan with the waters pulled back and pick up a stone. And we're going to build a memorial on the other side. And they did so. They went out. I don't believe they went out there and grabbed the smallest stone they can find. I believe they grabbed as big as they could carry. And they came across and they built up on top of those stones a memorial and the Bible tells us in the book of Joshua that this is the purpose of the memorial he said in times to come as a father walks with his son by this place and the little boy says daddy what do those stones mean 
the father was to sit down with him and say, son, let me tell you a story. This is to cause us to remember that God by a mighty hand brought your people and my people out of Egypt, led us across the Red Sea on dry ground and up to this place. And when we went into the promised land, we, we walked this way and these stones out of the middle of the Jordan, the only way we could get to them was God did a miracle. And these stones are a sign of a miraculous crossing that every time you and I walk by this, I want you to remember the meaning of those stones. They mean a lot. They mean that God is faithful. They mean that God is mighty. They mean that God is a miracle worker. They mean that God will go before you. They mean that God will bring a victory. They mean that God has a plan and a purpose for his people. What's the meaning of those stones? How many hundreds and thousands of times did little children say, Daddy, what do those stones mean? <clears throat> Would you stand with me, please? And turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 12 because we want to look at another memorial. I know that the cross is seen all over the place. People wear it as jewelry, and that's cool if you know the meaning. There's even crosses on the top of church steeples where the gospel is not even preached anymore. They don't know the meaning of the cross. We want to talk about it today. The real meaning of the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, and beginning with verse number 1, we read, and th there's some places in here there ought to be some shouting in the house. Therefore, we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame of it, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, in Jesus' name, help us today to walk by the cross and learn the meaning of the cross. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. What does it mean? It means a lot of things. And as I was praying over this, the Lord just gave me a few to share with you today. You say, well, what's the purpose of the message? I believe the purpose of the message is simply this. It's an elderly man.
telling people younger than he is the meaning of the cross as we walk by it today. We're going to make a visit to the cross, so to speak, as we remember in communion in the Lord's Supper. What does it mean? What does the cross mean? First of all, it means this. Terminal sin has an eternal remedy. Terminal sin has an eternal remedy. When we look at the cross, it's empty, you notice, but it was not empty one time. There was a point in time when there was something nailed to it, impaled upon it for a period of time. The cross means that terminal sin, sin is terminal. The wages of sin is death. If you don't believe me, read Romans 6.23. If you keep on sinning, you're going to get a paycheck. Your sin and my sin. There's a reckoning. There's a payout on our sin. And the wages of my sin and the wages of your sin, the final payment that you're going to have to pay and that I'm going to have to pay is death eternal death and punishment. I don't want to pay that payment. I don't want to pay that payment. I don't want to spend an eternity in hell. Do you? Is there anyone here in a rational mind that would say, yeah, I'd like to be tormented and tortured and pain for all of my eternal existence? I know you well enough. Some of you don't like it if you get a little headache. You stub your toe. You've got a splinter in your pinky. And you whine. The wages of sin is eternal death, damnation, and punishment in a place called hell. Only a fool would want to go there. Somebody's got to pay that penalty. Somebody's got to pay the tab of your sin. If you don't, nobody else is going to pay it for you. Every person here who does not have someone else to pay the price tag of their sin, you will pay an eternal price for sin. But I've got good news. Terminal sin has an eternal remedy. That's what the cross means. That Jesus went to the cross and he willingly laid down his life on that cross 2,000 years ago 
And he said, I'm not, you don't take my life from me. I lay it down. I came here on a mission. I came here on purpose to die for the sins of the whole world, every man, woman, boy, and girl on the planet. I came to die to put my life's blood, my sinless blood on the cross to lay it down as full payment that whosoever would call upon my name and ask me to pay their sin account, I will do it, I did it, I laid it down, and there's an eternal remedy for temporal sin. The meaning of the cross. The meaning of the cross. You and I do not have a remedy for our sin account. The soul that sins, it shall surely die. And it's not just talking about physical death. Everybody's going to die. It's talking about eternal. You say, well, I, I, I can't believe that a loving God would send me to hell. No, you do. You do the job. It's your sin that sends you there. If someone doesn't step up and say, I'll pay the price for their sin, you're going to pay it. Some people think that good works will handle it. It won't. Some thinks if I give enough money to the work of good deeds and, and charities that that'll do it, it won't cover it. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's the only commodity that is a remedy for the sin crisis in your life. If there is anyone within the sound of my voice today or watching on the live stream and you think you're going to make it out of this world into eternity by your own good deeds and your own abilities, you are going to burn in a lake of fire forever and ever in torment except for Jesus. And all he asks is if you receive him as your Lord and Savior, he will totally eliminate your sin account. Wipe it clean. Wipe it away. Terminal sin has an eternal remedy. When we walk by a cross, could we remember that? Just one of the meanings of the cross. The second meaning of the cross that I want to share with you today, that Jesus' shame purchased my liberty. Hebrews 12 that we read says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. There was great shame associated with being impaled upon a Roman cross. Tens of thousands of people had given their lives on just that same type of cross. The Roman Empire expanded through the death of people on the cross. They used it 
as a signal, don't go against Rome or you'll end up like this. Execution on a cross, and we've talked about it many times. It was an ugly, shameful affair. The individual would be stripped naked. You say, well, I didn't see it that way on a Jesus movie. Well, folks, they were trying to preserve you because they stripped them naked and put them on public display by the side of a road that people traveled so that people would look and say, I don't want to ever, I don't want to ever experience that. Publicly mocked, publicly spit upon, displayed as a criminal and enemy of Rome, berated by all those who passed by, Matthew 27 and 39 and following tells us a little bit about it. Those who passed by blasphemed him. They blasphemed him. They said, you're not the son of God. You're not the Messiah. Wagging their heads and saying, who will, you who say you'll destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, in their, and the scribes and the elders said, He saved others himself he cannot save. If he's the King of Israel, let him come down from the cross, and we'll believe him. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. Shamed in front of everyone, the religious hierarchy of the day, shamed in front of his disciples, those who were brave enough to show up, shamed in front of his own mother, shamed in front of John who stood beside her, shamed in front of the Roman soldiers and the Jewish priesthood, but Jesus came recognizing he would be on public display in all of the br brutality, the blood and the gore and the shamefulness of being crucified publicly. He said, Father, I am willing to be put on display. I'm going to despise the shame and I'm going to do it anyway because of his great love for you. Jesus put aside the shame of the cross so that you and I might have victory over it. Words of the old hymn. I know some of you don't know these, but it's a great old song. I remember singing it, leading it in, in song services at old Big Prairie Camp. It goes like this. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. 
bearing shame and scoffing rude in my place condemned he stood sealed my pardon with his blood hallelujah what a savior he endured the shame he went to the cross the public humiliation thousands of people had followed him they shouted hosanna as he came into town and now those very same people are seeing the one that they heralded as messiah laid bare before the public covered in blood crown of thorns on his head reduced to a common criminal mocked and spit upon they shook their heads prophetically he endured the shame he endured the shame the cross means that his shame purchased my liberty your liberty there's no shame associated with receiving this Jesus no one that day wanted to affirm him as Messiah Simon Peter ran from the accusation that you were with him. Jesus bore all the shame. But glory be to God, when I walk by the cross today, I see that he bore my shame. He became transparent in all of its ugliness so that I might be set free by the power of the cross. The third meaning that we come today of the cross is that his pain had a purpose. His pain had a purpose. I don't believe there's a communion service where I do not read or recite this portion of Scripture, but I want to read it today. Isaiah 53, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. A thousand years before Jesus was impaled, Isaiah heard the words of the living word in his spirit, and he wrote them down for us prophetically about Jesus. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Can you say it with me? But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of 
our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The pain was real. It was not imaginary. He received nothing to curb the pain that he was in. They didn't want him to have it curbed. They wanted him to experience it to beg for mercy, but Jesus didn't beg for mercy. He was God's mercy on display on that cross. The pain was real, beaten within an inch of his life, whipped with the Roman whip, lashes across his back, tearing the flesh into ribbons, a crown of thorns, and then they beat him about the head, driving those into his head. His face was covered with blood. His beard had been pulled out by the roots. They spit at him. They mocked him. The pain, the agony, the, the abject agony was real. The hammer, the nails, the spear, But his pain had a purpose for you. His pain had a purpose for you. Wounded your transgressions, bruised your iniquities. You'd have peace, he paid for it. He laid it all on the cross. All the pain had a purpose. It was not for him, it was for you, it was for me. And by his stripes, healing purchased. They said, you, physician, heal yourself. Jesus was not content to heal himself. He came to heal you and to heal me. You see, the when I see the cross, the meaning of the cross for me is he did that so that the shackles of the enemy could fall off of me. Wounded, bruised, beaten, impaled, whipped. The pain was real, but I've got good news. So is his mercy is real. And his pain was for your purpose, for God's purpose in you. He didn't just go there to suffer and be beat up, to be a punching bag for the Roman soldiers and to be mocked by their assassinations of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You were on his thoughts, in his thoughts. The cross means his pain was for divine purpose. He wanted to do a work in each one of us, in all of mankind, that could not be accomplished without the cross. He did it willingly. He did it out of great love. He's made provision for it. I was not going to mention this illustration that the Lord gave me years ago, but I was, I was impressed that I needed to share it. We have a lot of new folks and those that 
were asleep when I shared it last time. I, I pondered long about because I believe that by his stripes there's healing. How many of you believe that? I believe that. And then you say, well, then why are not all healed? Well, I have, I have a different contrary opinion. I'd like to bring the minority report. You know, when the spies went over to the promised land, there was a majority report and the minority report. The majority report, we can't do it, no way. I want to choose to believe the minority report. They said, with God, we can do it. The minority report, report is this. God still heals. Sometimes it's on this side, sometimes it's on the other. We're going to get a new body. How many of you could stand for that? I was, I was taking the youth years ago, taking our youth group down to college days at Southeastern College. And we were, uh, me and Bill Gross, my buddy, we drove with me, and we were sitting while the kids are in seeing the campus and all that kind of stuff, we're relaxing by the pool in sunny Florida. And it was snowing up here. It was sunshiny down there. And uh, we're laying by the pool. And it was a nice, nice hotel. We got a good deal on it. But it had an indoor-outdoor pool. You see, you could get into the water inside and you could swim under a glass partition and be in the outdoor pool. And I'm sitting there, I said, well, that's kind of cool. That's kind of neat. You know, they could, or I could get in here and swim underneath that, that invisible barrier and wind up on the outside pool outside, depending on the weather, you know, cool. And as clear as I am talking to you today, the Spirit of the Lord addressed me there, not in an audible voice, but deep in my spirit, that still, small voice the Bible talks about. He said, that's healing. The water inside the interior pool is the same water as the outdoor pool. You get in here, you can wind up out there. It's the same water. And he says, my healing is like that. You may need healing here, but ultimately you're going to get healed one way or another as a child of God. You may dive in and you may have issues on this side, but there's coming a day, oh, child of God, there's coming a day when you're going to get up on the other side. It's all the same pool. It's all the same water. And my, my buddy Bill looks at me funny. I started shouting in the pool. But I've got good news. His pain had divine purpose. He didn't just suffer that for no reason. By his stripes, there's healing. Some of us and many of you have experienced God's healing touch on this part of the pool. There's some others that 
They swum underneath that dividing line and they woke up in eternity and nothing hurt because everything was new and holy and designed to live forever without pain or suffering. When I walk by the cross, I want to remember that his pain had divine purpose for me. I got to move on. The fourth meaning of the cross is that out of the thousands of Roman crosses of death, only one is a symbol of life. Thousands upon thousands of Roman crosses. It's not the, the design of it that saves you. It's not the manufacture of it. I have all kinds of crosses in my office. We've got crosses here. We've got one up there. Some of you have never noticed it before, but it's up there. We, I was going to put some in the windows. We have some little itty-bitty crosses. How many of you are wearing a cross necklace or a pin? One time my son came back from college, and he had a cross earring in. And uh, he's trying to make like uh, he's messing with his old man. And I just stared at him. He said, oh, I can't do it. I can't. It's magnetic, Dad. It's magnetic. I didn't, I didn't do it. It's, it's magnetic. It's, it's, put it down. Crosses, you can drive down the road and between you from here into the city or here down south, you're going to see lots of crosses around. Wouldn't it be great if when we drove by and we saw a cross, we'd remember there's just one cross that did the work for the whole world because of the one who bore that cross was Jesus, the Lamb of God. Just a few hours on a cross, Jesus changed eternity. It's not that gilded cross, that shiny cross, that uh, diamond-studded cross. It was an old rugged cross. Not every person who died on a cross can save you, only one. Well, that person was a good person. That person was a moral leader. Doesn't matter. They cannot save you out of the tens of thousands of crosses on the planet earth there was only one because Jesus was on that cross could you sing it with me on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame and I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain so I'll cherish the old 
rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. An implement of death to millions is not what will save you. Making the sign of the cross will not save you. Having jewelry with the cross, it's the one who bore the cross that can make eternal difference in your life and in mine. The meaning of the cross. So as a person walks by a cross today, It means that terminal sin has an eternal remedy. It means that Jesus' shame purchased your liberty. It means his pain had a divine purpose for you. It means that Jesus had the power to transform a symbol of death and shame and pain and destruction into a symbol of life eternal because the cross is still empty today. He died, but he rose again. The meaning of the cross. Would you stand with me, please? Daddy, what does that mean? It means that Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. He was not forced to go there, he did it voluntarily. He left heaven's splendor to come to earth's abyss, experience the hatred and the evil, and yet he did it willingly. Daddy, what, is, what does that mean? It means that unless you receive the one who bore that cross and died for the sins of the whole world, you're going to pay your own sin debt. But he came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What's the meaning of the cross to you today? If there's anyone gathered in this place right now and you are not certain of your relationship with Jesus Christ today, my friends, tried to give you a clear path to the cross it can mean salvation to you eternal life and a hope beyond the grave if you receive him 
So first and foremost, the meaning of the cross is salvation. And I invite anyone here today that you are uncertain of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor, I, I hope it, don't, don't do that. Hope won't get you in. But the one who bore the cross will. Faith in him will do it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what Paul said. The invitation is a simple one today. First and foremost, if you need to have a Savior, would you come? We'd love the brethren here to pray with you. Maybe you're facing things such as shame right now. You're a little bit ashamed. People say, well, what do you think? And you're ashamed to tell them what the Word of God has to say. Could you come to the cross? Because he endured shame so that you might be set free from that. And if you're sick in body today, by his stripes there is healing. Would you come and find the meaning of the cross in his healing power? I, I've laid it all out for you today that I can. Daddy, what does that cross mean? I ask you this. What does it mean to you? There's some that just want to leave where you're standing and come. Just to this place of prayer and just give him thanks. Thank you for the cross on which you died. Thank you for loving me that much. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for loving my unsaved loved ones and thank you for keeping the door open. What's the meaning of the cross to you today? I'm going to step aside. Find a place of prayer if you would, please. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dear Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. There was a moment when the lights went out. Yes. And death had claimed its victory. The king of love had given up his life.
Anybody shout out something? Hallelujah. Shout it out, child of God. What does the cross mean to you? Victory. What does the cross mean to you? Continue to praise him as you're seated. Brethren are going to come. We're going to be distributing the emblems of the cross. Symbols of his broken body, his shed blood. We're acting in obedience to what Jesus said to do, that we're to remember what he did and why he did it and what it means to us. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, you are cordially invited to participate in partaking of the bread and the cup to remember what Christ did for you. If you do not know him as Savior, could I ask that you not participate what pastor you you don't know in the same way that a wooden a 
piece of wood cannot save you, neither can a piece of bread and the fruit of the vine. Yet to have relationship with the one who bore the cross, the one who had his body broken and his blood spilled. The Bible says that we eat condemnation unto ourselves if we don't discern the meaning of this act. If you know him as Savior, take the bread and the cup when it's passed and hold until everyone has been served so that we can receive together as the family of God. Bless your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus. In a dark hole where I long was laid, one miraculous prayer where
child walk by you today and ask you, what, what does that cross mean? What might you tell them? Can we just have testimony time right now? What does the cross mean to you? Remember, you're telling just a little child. Can anybody shout out what the cross means to you? What does that mean? New life. God fixes everything. Path to salvation. His love. Praise God. I just have a hunch that you're going to come across the path of some people this week that have that question in their mind. The Lord's going to bring across your path so you can share with them the meaning of the cross and we hold our hands one aspect of the meaning Jesus explained it so well to his disciples this bread scored like stripes pierced like nails is my body broken for you did it for you he did it for me and you will never meet a peace person he did not do it for so if there's sickness in your body today as you hold this reminder that by his stripes we're healed call upon his name touch the meaning of the cross we take and eat the bread together. Jesus, what does this cup mean? It means that he shed his blood to pay your sin account and mine. Nothing else could do it. Your personal death would only be a ticket into a place called hell. But his sacrificial death is entrance into eternal life in heaven. Take the cup and drink it and give him praise today. And as you take that cup and place it into the hollow of your hand. Put your thumb across as if it's the stone rolled there. And slide it off and remember, the cross is empty, but so's the tomb. Jesus rose. This is the month we're going to celebrate it together. Let's celebrate it every day. Each time we gather, the Lord's Day is a reminder on the first day of the week. Jesus resurrected from the dead. Go out and tell somebody the 
cross is empty, but so is the tomb. Jesus loves them. Father, send us out with the word to answer the question, what does that cross mean? What does that empty tomb mean? Give us a word to share in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in His grace. Hope to see you Wednesday as we study God's Word together.